Welcome to Capital P and People Work. I'm your host, Gabby Lubin, and I'm a three-time burnt-out professional. I say that because it's my mission in life to co-create a world where burnout is the exception, not the norm. That's why I've brought you a full season on Capital P of episodes that center on workplace wellness. Together, we'll dive into what it means to really walk the walk of wellness in the workplace. Join me in chatting with people leaders, wellness CEOs, and workplace wellness providers to learn about all that there is in workplace wellness. Let's dig into the topic for today. Today, I'm joined by Ali Abramovitz. She is the co-founder and CEO of Core Sleep, a Y Combinator-backed sleep and well-being company for enterprises. With a background in business and technology and a passion for well-being, Ali started Core Sleep to address the growing epidemic of sleep challenges because sleep is the foundation of health. From her experience, Ali saw significant gaps in existing solutions. So today, Course is the only solution on the market that combines the multiple critical components to improve your sleep into a one-stop shop. Before Chorus, Allie was a business and product leader at Twilio and the first and only female investing professional at a multi-billion dollar hedge fund. Allie, I'm so glad to have you on this podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. We just heard so many of your wonderful accomplishments, but we also want to know who are you as a human? <laughs> that's that's so nice of you. It's always funny hearing the kind of laundry list of your background. It's sort of funny, but um, thank you for that. I would say as a human, I am often described as sort of very bubbly and energetic, um, have a lot of passion for whatever I work on. So whether it's skiing, which is like my favorite thing to do outside of work or what I'm working on professionally, it, it comes with a lot of zest. <laughs> Mm, that's such a good word. And I'm already feeling it through the screen. So I'm excited to get more <laughs> zest as we chat. Um, well, as you know, Ali, the podcast is called Capital P and People Work. So I always like to ask our guests, how are they thinking about people work? What's your P word for today? Yes. So I like that you kind of put people on the spot about this because you kind of see what, uh, what comes to them organically. So the word that I thought of was perseverance. Ooh. And there's like a couple facets to how I was thinking about that. One regarding caring for people at enterprises and, and at companies, there can be a multitude of, of challenges going on. And it might take perseverance from management or people leadership to kind of figure out what help they need. And so I think that as leaders, it's really important to persevere uh, kind of in everything that you do, but especially when you're kind of trying to figure out the best way to support your people, because people are often more complicated than coding. And so need to kind of troubleshoot and figure out how, how best you can support them. Mm, mm, that's a really good word. And we haven't had that in a while. I do think someone else has shared it before, but it's good to kind of bring that back into the, the space, especially when we're talking about well-being as this whole season has been focused on well-being. Like, we deserve to persevere to find the things that work best for us as well and yeah. work best for the people around us. We have to. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, I think that really kind of, you know, is kind of the, the backbone of, of why mental health challenges and burnout continue to be so, so challenging for employees and, and folks in the workforce. So we'll obviously talk about that more, but I think, yeah, we need to kind of persevere to figure out what's sort of the root cause for most people. Well, before we get into that, although I think we're like almost there anyway, so I'm excited. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the founding story of Sleep? It's such an interesting business, such an important business. What brought you to this idea? 
Yeah, absolutely. So my co-founder Warren and I, we, we started Chorus because stress was really impacting our life negatively. You know, it was keeping us from sleeping. It was preventing us from connecting with our loved ones, from being productive in the way we wanted at work. And when we learned, you know, a few kind of easy changes to our, our routine, like starting to dim our lights in the evening after kind of reading some like very light content about it, and then really began incorporating like meditation and relaxation into uh, our practice, it was really life-changing for us. And not only were we, were we sleeping better, but it was, you know, making the rest of the world that we showed up in just be way more aligned with how we, how we wanted to be. And so we started kind of looking into what solutions were available for folks. And we saw that there was really nothing available for individuals that's more than sleep tracking, but less than a full-blown sleep doctor. And we had kind of parsed together some of those things for ourselves in a way that was really supportive. And so we wanted to kind of productize that and make it more accessible for people kind of in that, that middle range where you're more than just like a biohacker wanting to track your sleep, but you, you don't want to go all the way to a sleep specialist. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I can, I'm thinking of different businesses in my mind of like where I've pulled information from, like I have a Fitbit myself. I look at my sleep every single morning. I look how much like deep sleep I have, REM, all that stuff. Um, and I used to have a whoop to help me do that, but then I also use a separate app to help me kind of calm down. Yeah, And then it's just, it's too many things when you have to like um, figure out what works for you and put the pieces together, it's kind of exhausting. And if you're already stressed on top of that, you may not get to the point of actually finding the ideal sleep routine because it takes too much energy to actually find all of it. Exactly. I mean, like the first principle in, in building good products is to reduce friction for people. And when you have to go to like eight different places to solve one problem, that's way more friction than any, any person can overcome. And so sleep is a really multifaceted process that requires a lot of things coming together in the right way to happen. And so you need this kind of multifaceted approach with all of the tactics you need in one easy to use place. And that hasn't existed until now. Yeah, that's wild. Um, well, this is kind of like anti-hustle culture energy in a way, which is is so important and something that we were really highlighting and thinking more about in the pandemic. Yeah. Um, talk to us a little bit about your idea to, to start really, well, actually let's back up. Talk to me about like why sleep is such a problem. What What's out there that is making this such a pain point for people, which I'm sure I'm saying this out loud and people are like, oh, if I slept better, this would feel better for me. Or like, I have trouble falling asleep. This is really challenging. Or I bet there's some people out there that may maybe don't know that some of the things that are challenging throughout the day are actually maybe caused by this lack of sleep. So talk to us about this so we know more. Yeah, honestly, it's it can be all of the above of what, what you just covered. So I mean, that's one of the reasons that sleep problems are so pervasive. I mean, a stat that I'll just throw out there, which is mind blowing, is that it's estimated that 86% of adults in the US struggle to sleep each week. So almost nine in 10 people. And that number before the pandemic was about 66%. So already a really high number, but now even worse. And so what we see is that sleep problems can be caused by a huge multitude of reasons. You know, like you, it might be young children or caring for a baby, or it might be things at work stressing you out, or, um, you know, it might be the disruption in your routines that we used to rely on to give cues to our brain to know when to feel alert and when to feel asleep. 
So the number one problem that we see from a bunch of internal surveys we've done and also some, some research as well is the number one thing that prevents people from sleeping is work stress. And so this can often show up for people as racing thoughts throughout the night, you know, thinking about their to-do list or feeling anxious about a project or something that is happening the next day. And um, this is really important to know because there's different like tools and tactics that you can use to address different kinds of, of sleep challenges. So what I'll, what I'll just say to your kind of high level question is that the number one thing that we see is work stress that can manifest in different ways. Some people identify it as like actual anxiety preventing them from sleeping. And some people just identify it as like, oh, I can't turn off my brain. And, you know, regardless of those two things, the sort of treatment path is the same is to kind of help calm down those, those racing thoughts so that you actually can, can get sleep. Um, another big factor, which is a, a leading hypothesis for why the amount of sleep problems have increased so dramatically since COVID is because of the lifestyle disruptions we've had. So this is like a little bit nerdy, but I'll take us on a, just a, a brief <laughs> tangent. Love here. It. So the, the two primary factors that contribute to you being able to feel alert when you want to feel alert and asleep when you want to be asleep is one, your circadian rhythm and two, a hormone in your brain called adenosine. That's kind of like the sleepiness that builds up over time. And the circadian rhythm kind of goes through this cycle throughout a 24 hour period. And it relies really heavily on external cues to know when you should be alert and when you should feel sleepy. And one of the main cues we used to have to help tell our brain these things is, you know, getting in the car or getting on the Muni to go to work getting in the car, getting on Muni as the sky is dimming to leave work, to come home, to know it's time to wind down. But in this realm of working from home, which comes with tons of amazing flexibility, like our, our team at Chorus is fully remote and we love that. You're often though working in your at-home offices under fluorescent lights throughout the entire time of the day. So, so your circadian rhythm doesn't get any cues from the outside world that, oh, hey, it's not noon anymore. It's actually 8 p.m. I should be winding out. I should be spending time with my family, what have you. So the kind of like physiological disruptions from some of these like lifestyle changes, specifically the cues that our brain no longer gets is another big aspect that people think has contributed to the rise in sleep problems and, and is something that we really help people try and learn about and address in their own kind of habits and, and routines. Hmm. So let's see, I want to dig into that a little bit because two things, one, there's more return to office that's happening and a little bit more hybrid that's happening. So maybe there's a little bit of an um, amelioration, I'm not sure that's a word, but I'm going to use it um, with that particular problem that we'll see maybe in data in you know, some months or a year or so. Um, but what are some... <laughs> without going to the office again, what are a few different cues or supports that people might see in the app um, that would help for that particular problem? Yeah, totally. I'm going to answer two parts of that. The first is with the hybrid dynamic, it's kind of tricky because the circadian rhythm in the brain relies on very consistent cueing. And so if some days you're going to the office, but some days you're staying home, you're still going to have that disruption and confusion. So you're not really going to see quite as much of a return to the normal uh, indications, unless you're like fully going into the office, you know, five days a week, which most companies are, are not doing. So the kind of inconsistency is something that you'll have to, to work against. Things that you can do on your own at home in large part come down to getting light exposure at the, the right times of the day. So when you start your day, trying to get ideally sun exposure in the first 
hour that you're awake. If you're not somewhere where it's, you know, sunny, like I'm in San Francisco, it's often not sunny here at all. <laughs> so you can just turn your internal lights on nice and bright and kind of tell your brain, okay, it's daytime, it's time to be alert. And kind of similarly on the back end, as you get towards the evening and you're kind of winding down your day, if you can dim the lights, that kind of tells your system, okay, it's no longer noon. I no longer need to be at like peak alertness. It's time to start winding down. So if anyone has dimmers on their lights, use those super liberally and dim those, you know, around 7 p.m. Or, or when you're finished working. And if you don't have dimmers, I always just like turn off some lights so that it's not kind of as bright as it is, you know, midday. Yeah, that's so it's so interesting how um, lights in our space, not just the sun, but lights in our space uh, interact with how we feel and like what's going on in our world. Um I, totally. We won't get like super nerdy about this, but I'm sure there's a difference between like an LED light versus a, I don't know all the light bulbs and stuff, but there are differences there. Sure. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, and on the, the physiological side, like something I always notice when I dim my lights in the evening is I, I feel my chest like relax and I feel my shoulders drop a little bit because just when I have everything bright and I'm sort of like, okay, time to focus, time to work. I'm a little bit more you know, zoomed in. And then when you dim those lights, you literally physically feel your shoulders relax and be like, oh, okay, time for yeah. the wind down. <laughs> and it's so interesting. We have not said anything about screen time yet. Yeah. Which yeah. is great. Cause I think oftentimes people say, oh, the solution to all this is just like, do no, no screen time for the last hour before you go to bed. And people are like, well, what do I even do then? <laughs> Which totally. is, we need to find alternatives for sure. And obviously our phone is literally a light in our face and oftentimes a very bright light. So there's like that kind of component, but um, there are things outside of, I mean, of course, you know, we still know that we should not use our phone um, right before we're going to bed for multiple reasons. And maybe we can ask you why, let me pause. Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a couple, that's a great, great point. And I'll just say that, you know, in a, in a perfect world, yeah, no screen times within an hour of going to bed, all of this stuff. But a big thing about Forest is we really try and meet people where they are and do things yeah. that are realistic, because if it's so strict, there's no way people are going to do it. You're not going to see any progress because it's just completely black or white, like you can do it or you can't, and most people can't. So yes, in a perfect world, you're totally right. But you know, all else is not equal. So we have to think about what's actually feasible. The main reasons why using your phone before bed is problematic is one, the light, and specifically the kind of light is a blue light. Uh, and that's a light that is in our laptops, our screens, our, our phones, et cetera. And interestingly, the reason that blue light is the most activating for our brain is I read that because we evolved from being aquatic creatures, seeing blue helped us see the best. Uh, the blue light helped us see the best. And so that is the light that is sort of the most alerting to our brains, whereas a light that is red in hue is less alerting. So if you have like a nightlight or something and you need to turn it on in the middle of the night, if it has a setting where it can be a red light instead of a full bright light, that, that's better. So that's one part is the light itself. The other reason is just because it's really stimulating. You're probably reading things that re require like kind of a cognitive load to think about might not be super relaxing. Like sometimes my husband is reading the news before he goes to bed and I'm just like, that is the worst thing I could be doing right now. So, um, same, same. Yeah. I, I feel that not on my end, but the partner end. Yeah. I'm like, okay, you're reading about all these awful murders and terrible things right before you go to bed. How are you expecting yourself to relax? So 
one is like the content and the alertness that it that it spurs and the other is the light that's so interesting about the light though. And it makes sense why, um, you know, there's certain space. I don't even know where this is coming from in my brain, but I'm thinking of different places that have red light, um, as kind of a softer light, but red to us kind of like, and I'm wearing red right now. So I'm like thinking about my, my own space, my own thing. Um, red is oftentimes when we see it in, in the open, like an alerting color, you have to stop at the stop sign. You, it's like, it, it makes you pay more attention, but yeah. as a light, it's a different story. That is fascinating. It's really interesting. Yeah. It has to do with like the wavelengths of the lights and how they like enter your brain and everything. But I totally agree. It's, it was kind of counterintuitive to me at first as well. Yeah. It's incredible. Anyway, we, I love these directions we've been going down <laughs> and I want to keep us going because um, as much as we can talk about sleep and sleep problems, I think one, everyone can relate to this in some way, shape or form. We all, all of us sleep. And if you're not getting enough sleep, you might be more aware of this. If you're obsessed with sleep, like I am, you're also probably pretty aware of it. Um, but let's talk about like what kind of impacts we see in the workplace, because this is something obviously, again, that everyone experiences. So workplaces should be thinking about because again, everyone is a human in the workplace and everyone sleeps. Yeah. Yeah. This is a a really big focus for us because as you mentioned, we're focused on supporting employers specifically. And this is really kind of what we've seen and why we've taken this path is the last few years have been extremely hard for employees. It's kind of no stranger, like no one is a stranger to hearing about employee mental health from, you know, COVID, the loneliness challenges, you know, there's been all sorts of terrible, like social justice challenges. Like it's just been a really, really tough few years. And it seems like there's kind of always something that is, you know, it's a, it's a different topic, but things are not getting easier. And we're actually seeing this in the data where actually McKenzie and Gallup recently put out reports that have shown that employee stress and burnout are currently at all time highs. And this is obviously problematic because it impacts how employees feel and it impacts the, the bottom line with lack of engagement, retention, productivity, implications, et cetera. And so that's really why, why companies care in addition to wanting to support you know, the whole person and whatnot. And what's particularly interesting is that this drastic rise in burnout is despite tons and tons and tons of companies making massive investments in mental health solutions like therapy, coaching, meditation specifically in the last few years. And so that really makes us scratch our head and say, if all of this investment has been being made, why why are things getting worse? And what we've seen is it's, it's getting worse because in a lot of times we're, we've been focused on the wrong things. And obviously there can be a lot of issues at play here, but kind of put simply, specific mental health solutions won't improve the situation if people are still fundamentally not sleeping. So you can like think about it intuitively like this. You could be going to the best therapist in the world. You could be meditating all the time. If you're consistently getting three or four hours of sleep, you're not going to see the kind of improvement that you want to see. And as I mentioned today, people are not sleeping with like that 86% of US adults are struggling each week. And so What that really shows us is that we have to focus on sleep first because it is this root cause issue for so many people. And what we've seen in the science and all of the research and just our own probably intuitive experience as well is that sleep is really the foundation you need before anything else can have a positive impact or or function correctly. And, um, you know, my mom's a therapist. I go to therapy. I think it's really, really wonderful. And you need to do that in conjunction with this foundational aspect of sleep first. 
And there's a, there was a good report put out by the Mental Health Foundation themselves, which is a big organization. And it was called like the sleep report or, or the importance of sleep. And it talked about because sleep is so foundational that when someone has sleep problems, the sleep problems need to be treated separately from the mental health problems in order to see positive impact. So you're even hearing this from organizations that's focused you know, solely on, on the mental health side. So that's really why sleep needs to be addressed, why the problems have continued to persist despite significant investments and, and why companies really need to, to pay attention to this. I, yeah, I mean, you're underscoring just how important this is. And I think it's important to share like how much actually happens to your body when you sleep, mm-hmm. like your cells are recovering, um, yeah. you're digesting. I, I am... Um, realizing that I didn't brush up on all of my sleep knowledge before this, but somewhere it's pulling back from other parts Uh, of me, but like, you're essentially like refreshing your body from the intensity, whatever you experience in the day. And if you don't get that right amount of sleep, you're, you haven't hit the refresh button essentially. Yeah, absolutely. And and we could go down and we could do an entire podcast on this. So I'll I'll give just a a little bit of a, a tangent here, but there's, there is not a single process in your brain or your physical body that does not rely on sleep to restore and function optimally. So breaking that down into some categories that we often describe it as is like first is on, on the mental health side. Your brain literally misfires to be more emotionally volatile when you consistently get six hours of sleep or less the the part of the brain that that misfunctions is called the amygdala. And that makes people more anxious than if they were getting adequate amounts of sleep. So from the kind of emotional stability side, your brain does not function correctly without adequate sleep. Another part of the brain side that's really important is learning information. So when you're sleep deprived, your brain cannot take in new information. And they've actually seen this in MRIs where when someone is sleep deprived, they try and learn something new and that new information like bounces off the, the brain and it's not ingested. So you can't actually remember it. So if you think about the kind of higher order implications for that, how are you supposed to solve problems, learn to collaborate with new people if you can't even learn the like raw information that's coming in? Higher order in the brain, you also can't think creatively when you're sleep deprived. The parts of the brain that are required to make cognitive leaps, which is something, for example, like recognizing if A, is bigger than B and, or sorry, if if B is bigger than A and C is bigger than B, then C is also bigger than A. You can't make those kind of cognitive leaps without getting a certain amount of sleep and a certain kind of sleep, which is, which is REM sleep. And so people have long reported that they have these kind of creative breakthroughs when they wake up from sleep, they solve problems in their sleep. And that's because of the specific quality of REM sleep that allows for that. So your brain doesn't even you know, not only does it need to be kind of optimized with sleep, it can't, it can't function at all without sleep on the physical body side. Same thing happens. The lack of sleep causes sort of your, 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 your inflammation to be higher, your cortisol levels to be higher. This has big impacts on your immunity, your reaction to medicines and long-term there's been really, really good studies that show that it puts you at like 50% higher risk of heart disease and type two diabetes, which are two of the leading um, causes of, of death and like heart of like health challenges. Uh, Peter Atia talks a lot about this and he's really fascinating for anyone listening. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here, first of all, um, because my makeshift <laughs> way of describing this is clearly um, not nearly as good. Um, 
Thank you for telling us all that information. I hope it's sticking with some people because sleep is so important. It does so many things for you. That's just like some of the things that you just shared. That's not (laughs) even all of them. Like that's the coolest part. I love sleep. Um, Can you tell I'm a person who gets eight hours every night without a doubt? (laughs) I love it. I wish we all could be that way. Um, but you know, it's, it's, I have like a few thoughts before we dive deeper into like why workplaces and, and it's kind of comes from like personal experiences. I, I, there are a lot of people in my life who really feel like either hustlers or have put themselves, have labeled themselves as someone who just doesn't get that much sleep, right? They don't need that much sleep. So you know, what do you, what do you do for those people? What do you say to those people? Can, do they actually need that much sleep or can they have less? How does that work? Yeah. That whole sort of like, I'll sleep when I'm dead culture is, is really problematic. And and is something that we as a society need to kind of actively try and, and work against because yes, there is some range of the amount of sleep that's optimal for some people. Some people can be okay with seven, some seven hours a night. Some people need more like nine. But as at a macro level, all of the data shows that getting consistently under six hours of sleep increases your risks of mental health problems by, you know, two and a half fold uh, over time, you know, as I mentioned, increases your, your heart health risks, your type two diabetes risks. So those sorts of folks might be able to function in the short term. Um, I would imagine they're doing things to kind of help combat it with you know, caffeine intake, you'll maybe leveraging exercise strategically to give them an energy burst at certain times, but long-term it's really bad for your health. There's just no, there's no way around it. And uh, I think that's something that we really need to help people understand because yes, of course there are anomalies of some people who maybe the six hours is, is fine for them, but that's, that's not normal. Uh, it's probably not you (laughs) and you need to know about the long-term implications because we're now learning, you know, not only is it important for heart health, type two diabetes, but things like Alzheimer's risk and all sorts of these other things that until now we haven't known too much of the, the causes for and, and sleep is a critical part of, of keeping ourselves healthy. Hmm. And let's go to the flip side, because I, I have shared openly on this um, show before. It's kind of my why for being in this space in general. Um, I used to be in education um, and in my second year of teaching was just overwhelmingly burnt out in a way that like, I didn't even know I wasn't able to really label it. Mm-hmm. And what I, what my body had to do was sleep nine to 10 hours a night. Yeah, That's yeah. what I like. I couldn't function otherwise. Um, And that's kind of on the flip side of like, well, you know, what happens with oversleep? Yeah. So it's a, it's a great question. Oversleep nine to 10 hours would be not necessarily over oversleep. The, the studies show that it's basically like the more sleep you get, the better up until about sort of 14, like 13, 14 hours of sleep a night. So getting nine or 10 hours, that just means that's what your body needs. That's what you need uh, for your brain, for your body to kind of get on track. So oversleep um, really doesn't kick in until the much higher levels than what, what you're talking about. And I've definitely gone through periods where I've needed more sleep versus periods of time where I'm okay with, you know, like I've honestly, I've kind of figured out the seven, the seven hours doesn't really cut it for me. Eight is, is perfect. And 
and certainly times where I've needed more like nine or 10. Yeah. Um, that's really interesting. Yeah. I don't want to be back at the nine or 10 ever again. Cause that was a whole other, whole other problem, but we're here and we're getting eight and it feels good, but well, and congrats you know, for kind of taking care of yourself and, and making it through that, that I'm sure it was a really hard time. It was. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, we, we, I almost went back to that space again and I noticed it happening because I was able to kind of like observe the things that mm-hmm. were going on and, um, few of the same triggers and Hey, we got out of it. So it's, I think on a personal level, like sleep is really important to be like tracking or understanding and like paying attention to what you need, what you don't need. We're doing it every day, ideally. Yeah. Well, <laughs> anyway. and you actually bring up such an interesting point too, that, that is a, an important reason for also kind of why I think that mental health challenges have gotten worse in, in the workplace through no one's fault is that lack of sleep then leads to, you know, being more anxious, being more overwhelmed, being more burnt out. And so you can think that you're solving the problem appropriately by maybe getting yourself into therapy, eating healthy, working out, starting to meditate, all these things. But if you're not getting the kind of like foundational rest you need each night, all of those other tools are kind of like playing whack-a-mole or like trying to put band-aids on all these like, you know, wounds that you have versus actually going to the source and getting like you know, that foundation in place first. And so, you know, I think a lot of really well-intentioned leaders at companies have, have tried to address this problem through things that are more downstream, but you need to go upstream to get that foundation in order before things like therapy or eating well or exercise can really fully turn around a situation like that. Yeah. And I think what is universal is that everyone sleeps. Not mm-hmm. everyone is interested in exercise. Not everyone's interested in yeah. meditation. Even though these mm-hmm. things we know are good for us, this mm-hmm. is something that literally everyone does. And you do um, it ideally every night. So <laughs> I know. you already have the time in your day to do it. We've used this word ideal twice now every day. <laughs> <laughs> for some professions though, I mean, you know, I'm thinking of like doctors or, you know, yeah. truck drivers on the other hand, like it's a very different way in which, they live their lives and they find their sleep. And I guess we're probably not speaking as specifically to those people, but more to a, a nine to five kind of corporate, well, not necessarily corporate, but nine to five person, or do you address the alternative? Well, what's schedule? really interesting about what you brought up is, is those are what we would categorize as shift workers. And those, mm. those folks, even though they're sleeping at different schedules, they're still sleeping at a certain point during their, their day. And so it's really important that when they are, when it's sort of their time to sleep, they're able to sleep. So truck drivers might drive overnight or doctors might work overnight, but truck drivers have like mandated, um, a max mandated amount of hours that they can drive and they need to pull over and sleep. And so one of the big tools that we have in our platform is what they're called. They're called sleep sessions. And they use a specific form of breath work that shift the nervous system to sleep more quickly and more effectively than meditations or sleep stories. Uh, that's actually been shown in a study recently from, from Stanford, which is pretty cool. So for them, it would be really useful to, uh, to have tools that help them get to sleep when they have that short period of time where they can sleep. So yeah, definitely there's sort of different use cases. People have more nine to fives, there's people have shift workers, but to your point, everybody sleeps, everybody needs sleep. And so that's one of the reasons that we bring such a multitude of, of tools into our platform is different people need different parts of that support system. What kind of companies are you targeting specifically? Yeah. So we honestly can work across a range of, of industries and, and company sizes. As I mentioned, the different use cases that someone might uh, kind of need to sleep in are, are different. 
we are probably best suited and, and want to work with companies that have a really positive culture and care about their people and know that their people are their, their best asset. So that could be kind of industry agnostic. And then also looking at companies who address an audience who have particularly strong challenges with sleep. So like older populations or people who have shift workers or people who are in kind of high um, like safety implication um, industries where lack of sleep could be really problematic. So all the way from sort of your typical standard, like corporate tech companies where it really gets down to being about like engagement, collaboration, retention to uh, the use case being more around kind of safety implications. Um, something I, I will say is we did a really cool partnership with Asana, um, a tech company here in the Bay Area. And what we showed is when their employees were using Chorus and they were sleeping more, they were actually 55% more collaborative and 15% more engaged at work. And so that kind of shows you how this impacts the kind of typical sort of corporate structure uh, or corporate setting, excuse me. And uh, just a kind of interesting thing about that study was it was the first study to our knowledge that looked at the implications of sleep on collaboration. So Asana is a big tool that is all about collaboration. So that was something they were really interested in and we were interested in as well. So there's a, a lot of uh, literature that shows the impact of sleep on, on productivity, on kind of even emotional interaction between people, which obviously has big implications at the workplace. But um, ours was the first study that looked at collaboration specifically. And to see that people were 55% more collaborative was really amazing. And I think kind of brings together a bunch of the mechanisms from other studies for why that happens. I think it has to do probably with productivity, but also with emotional intelligence, being smarter about how to collaborate with people so that your collaboration is, is more effective and, and whatnot. So um, yeah, across a range of industries is a long way of answering your question. <laughs> um, I'm really glad you brought up the sauna study, though. We talked about it when we um, met previously, and um, I think it's really, really cool that you were able to identify that specific number and information around um, collaboration, because it's kind of like that higher order, like creative thinking totally. that like when you're it's, it, it, it makes me feel more like that moment when you wake up after you've gotten mm -hmm. the good REM sleep, like you were talking about, where I'm like, aha, like, this is it. Here's how yes. I'm going to solve the problem. Exactly. Like you're energized, you're ready to talk to people and figure things out. And if you're sleep deprived, obviously you're not excited to do that. You don't want to bring anyone in. Like how you, you, we all know a day where we've had to have like a, however many cups of coffee to yeah. get us through. And we don't want anyone to talk to us. Like those are two completely different workers, but they're also two completely different humans. And I think it's mm -hmm. important to remember both the worker and the human component of that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree with everything. So well said. <laughs> um, well, this is like, this is such a special tool, such a special thing that exists out there. Like, I'm so glad to hear that we're at the, um, time and space and opportunity to actually go and cultivate this for people. Well, we haven't talked about, so I want, I just, I want to ask if we can briefly do this. Can you share the different, um, things that people get in chorus because it is the one-stop shop, but we didn't actually say what the stops were. <laughs> totally, totally. So chorus provides a mobile app and coaching program that helps people sleep better. And specifically we combine audio sessions that help you go to sleep quickly. So that's the part of the solution that uses the breathwork technique I mentioned, and these can help you fall asleep initially or fall back asleep. If you wake up in the middle of the night. 
The second part is short interactive content that teaches you healthy habits. This is all based on cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, also known as CBTI specifically, which has been shown to be the gold standard at improving sleep, incredibly evidence-based method that has been shown to be more effective than sleeping pills. The third is sleep coaching to help you personalize your sleep journey, answer questions, and kind of support you as you're going through this. And then the fourth is sleep tracking. So you can have measurement and know what's working and what isn't. Amazing. Amazing. I am so energized to, <laughs> to take a look at it, to, to dive in and really um, see what's possible for me to get better sleep. Cause I'm always in the game for it. <laughs> and we, you, mentioned you have a, you have a Fitbit. So we integrate with any wearable out there. So you can integrate mm. your Fitbit. That can be the wearable that tracks your data, but you can visualize it in, in chorus. So again, you have just one place to go to do all of this. Amazing. Um, if people, so first of all, I know you do this for employees and employers. It also can be something that an individual can just go ahead and, and jump on as well. Right. Yes, exactly. So when we work with employers, we have a whole bunch of other parts of the platform that um, are not available for individuals, but the, the mobile app itself with some limited coaching is available for individuals just in the app store. Amazing. Well, this has been such an awesome conversation. I really, really enjoyed talking about sleep. I am so glad we got to nerd out in the best way as Allie. Um, <laughs> but if people are interested in learning more um, about Cora Sleep or in connecting with you, where can they find those two? Yeah, absolutely. So you can just go to the website, chorussleep.com, and there's a get in touch page there. And then folks can also email me directly if they like. It's just Ali, A-L-I, at chorussleep.com. Beautiful. Allie, thank you so much for being here with us. It was such a fun conversation. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a highlight of my day. Oh. I swear I learned so much from each and every episode on Capital P. If there is something that you are taking away from this episode, we encourage you to share it on social media, particularly our main channel on LinkedIn. Tag us, tag our guests. As always, thank you so much for listening, fam. We'll catch you next time to talk wellness in the workplace with other visionaries. You can find Capital P Tuesdays and Thursdays this summer on Spotify and Apple Podcasts with a brand new episode. Make sure to follow us and share with your favorite people people. See you next time. Mm-hmm.